Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today we're going to be talking about lit video books. This is a new innovative way of consuming incredible content and with me today is the CEO and founder. His name is Ronick Sheth. Welcome to the show Ronick. Thank you. Yeah, excited to chat more. Okay, so before we get into what Lit Video Books does, let me first ask you, in your opinion, what are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? Ooh. Grit, I would say first. Uh, humility and adaptability. And so this is your first venture. I think you had mentioned before we hit the record button that you have been at this now for a little over two years, almost three years. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Almost three years. So, so give me an example of, uh, you know, one of these three things. So the grit, the humility, what, what is a good example of what you had to face into that yourself in the last three years? I would say, uh, in terms of grit, I mean, as a first time founder, uh, and you know, it's, it's a VC backed business. Um, as a first time founder raising VC funding, uh, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, right? It's, uh, you hear no, probably dozens, if not, you know, 50 or 60 times before you hear your first yes. Right. And if you now, if I look back, um, I can say, okay, well, you know what? That's just how the game is, right? You need one believer and then everyone else, uh, will kind of not necessarily follow, but, uh, once you have one person that says yes and believes in it, that everyone else likes, they kind of follow to some extent. Right. Uh, and so I think in terms of the, you know, the grit part is doesn't matter if you hear no hundreds of times, whether it's from investors, uh, prospects, um, you know, uh, people that you want to hire, right? Uh, just to kind of stay steadfast and, and have the belief in your mission and uh, you'll figure it out. Yeah, completely. Well, now tell me a little bit about Lit Video Books. What is it that you guys are doing there and what was the purpose or what problem is it that you're trying to solve with the uh, with the venture? Absolutely, yeah. So Lit uh, Video Books, Video Books are a new category and our goal and our mission is to make reading uh, as easy and accessible um, and engaging and fun as watching a movie. Um, and we really want to make books accessible to as many uh, people as possible. Um, you know, we're, we're in this kind of world where uh, over 100 million Americans haven't bought or read a nonfiction book in the last year. Yet, you know, I don't know if you believe these polls, but Nielsen says we watch about five hours of TV a day, right? Yeah. And the younger generation is kind of growing up on a smartphone watching video, but trying to get them to read uh, is 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 very difficult. And so you know, we really kind of want to meet people where they are and, and also create a new audience, uh, a new channel for authors. Uh, I believe are they're some of the most creative, uh, impactful people in the world that really have the ability to change lives. And so uh, we just think of ourselves as a new way to consume uh, content. And uh, we do so by, you know, we partner directly with authors. We create uh, video books and, uh, you know, would encourage everyone to kind of try one out uh, and see if it's something that's interesting for them. Um, and, you know, video books are about an hour long uh, using a variety of different things. Uh, we have an author on screen, interviews with experts, celebrities, um, animation, data visualization, archive. It's kind of like you're watching you know, almost like a Netflix documentary, uh, but it's really a book. 
And uh, we offer it through an all access subscription. And so we now have 28 uh, video books. Uh, they're all uh, nonfiction, but they really span everything from, you know, we have a, the number one book on potty training. We have a book like Radical Candor by Kim Scott, uh, Profit First for Entrepreneurs. Um, we actually have a whole category for entrepreneurship and innovation uh, on on our platform with, you know, the co-founder of Square, uh, Safi Bacall, who wrote Loon Shots, uh, Alan Dibb, One Page Marketing Plan, Mike Michalowicz of Profit First. Um, and honestly, the majority of our content, I think, really caters to that, uh, you know, individual that has a deep desire for self-development, right? Whether it's in their career, uh, personally, professionally, uh, to improve their relationships, health and wellness. And so... Uh, that's who we cater to. Um, and we really kind of partner with that top authors across all of those categories. And uh, we really pride ourselves in super high quality content. Um, people yeah, enjoy and, it. And, and I think it's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, I've been a really big consumer of audiobooks um, over the last decade. And that's uh, something that has just allowed me to tap into a lot more books and content than what I could if I was just reading them because I do have a hard time carving out time in my day it feels like to actually sit down and read and it's just not my preference in terms of the way that I consume content always and like you said uh, video is where a lot of consumption is happening right now and and uh, you know my audience would really recognize that I'm a big proponent of video in terms of content and communication and so on. And so this is just a beautiful, I think, mashup of all of my interests all into one platform. And so I applaud you for what you guys have created there. Um, in, in terms of this idea, uh, where did it come from? Was, uh, was this something that, uh, you know, you were of a similar uh, mindset where it's just like, I, I want to consume more content, but you know, I, I just don't like picking up a book as much as maybe uh, watching a Ted talk or watching a documentary or watching an interview. Yeah, it's a, it, that was definitely a part of it. Uh, so it was kind of interesting. I worked in a totally different field, enterprise marketing software for, you know, first five or so years of my career. And uh, I was reading a lot of books about developing, you know, personally, professionally, things like high output management, radical candor, mm. uh, influence, right? Um, things to kind of help me improve in my career. And uh, I was on a flight to Los Angeles um, with my then CEO, and both of our screens were blank, uh, and I had my AirPods in, and I was listening to Grit by Angela Duckworth. And he was reading Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And about an hour into the flight, he was like, hey, what's what's going on? Um, you know, how's your book? I can't really focus. I've been stuck on this chapter for over an hour now, uh, and I just can't get past. And uh, I was like, actually not really listening to the audiobook. I was watching Wolverine on the screen in the row in front of me, like between the seats and reading subtitles. And... You know, I love these kinds of books, right? And I, I love like thinking about how to apply them. So it's not that I wasn't interested in the subject matter. It was just so interesting to me that my eyes were fixated on something else uh, that really caught my attention, right? And so just started a conversation between us. Um, and my, my former CEO actually um, had, you know, uh, reading kind of like, it was very difficult for him to read. He was dyslexic um, and he couldn't really get through content unless it was really engaging and had that mix of video and audio. And 
for me, I was like, I really prefer to learn via documentaries um, and watching, you know, things like TED Talks and um, learning through YouTube because I just felt like I remembered the information for so much longer. I would read or listen to an audiobook, and two weeks later, I'm like, wait, what just happened? Like, I totally forget the information that I consumed. And so we started a conversation between us and we came to the conclusion that like the kinds of books that we were reading that were more prescriptive, uh, you know, kind of driving us to some sort of improvement in our lives. Um, it was kind of crazy that there was no like highly produced audio visual movie like way to consume them. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really the first idea kind of seeded in my mind. And then it kind of nurtured over time as I met a few uh, at the company, we had authors come in and speak and do fireside chats. And so I met with Dan Ariely actually. Um, and I said, Hey, why, why isn't your book uh, predictably rational, which is what the talk was about uh, in a movie or a documentary type format. And it was just like, I don't know, no one has really approached me from, you know, or, or my agent uh, about film or TV because that market very much exists for things like narrative nonfiction, right? So like the story of Steve Jobs or the story of a Golden State murder or the story of Uber, but not so much for prescriptive nonfiction, right? Like uh, anything in marketing, sales, economics um, doesn't really have that movie like adaptation interest uh, from Hollywood. And so he's like very interesting. And Danny is very much a yes person. Um, if it doesn't take much of his time, he's like, yes, like I want to try something new, right? And so he introduced me to his agent, Jim Levine. And uh, now Jim Levine is one of our closest partners. I think we have maybe 30 or 40 partnerships with him um, and, and and his roster of authors. And he was, you know, the, the publishing industry uh, is, is very unique in that it has adapted and changed to some extent, but, you know, not rapidly, right? Uh, 80% of book sales, 75% of book sales are still print, right? Um, and so, you know relatively slow moving industry. And Jim Levine was a bit of an outlier in terms of an agent that was very progressive, um, early investor in audiobooks and, and audible, um, and friends of Don Katz. And he represented people like Dan Ariely, Eric Schmidt, uh, Jonah Berger, uh, and so many other really well-known authors. And he was like, this is really interesting. This video of a concept of yours, uh, go figure out how the rights would work and how the content will look. And I will give you my, some of my best authors to start. And Jonah Berger, our first video book was, uh, was a Jim Levine client. And so he was kind of, uh, the first agent that believed in me enough, uh, and the concept enough to say, if you figure these things out, I will help you, uh, get, get your first, uh, kind of author partners. Um, and so that was it. And then, yeah, I met Andy around the same time as well. And he, um, you know, he had a lot more experience than I did in the industry. I was personally just really passionate about, the idea. And I thought there's a huge opportunity and impact this could make if books could reach this kind of broader audience. Cause I just thought there's so many more people that watch things than read things. And, um, he had, you know, he was the chief content officer at Audible for eight years. Then he was the chief growth officer at Blinkist. And so he kind of knew this world inside and out and, um, him, uh, myself and, and, and Jim were kind of working together to make the first video book happen. And then, you know, see a lot has uh, changed yeah. <laughs> since that. Yeah, really cool. I, I love the this, this story. And like, it's just amazing, right? How um, thing, so many things have to come together to get something like this off the ground. And so it's just, uh, you know, the idea 
comes just from that that moment on the airplane right and then the ability to connect with with that author and and so then it just all starts to starts to come together what what is the i know you're vc backed uh right now um but what is the business model uh can you share that with us um so our audience better understands how you're building this business absolutely yeah so uh, to consumers, uh, we it, it's an annual subscription, uh, and so there's a three day free trial, and then it's ten dollars a month billed annually, so one hundred twenty dollars uh, a year, and you get access to all of our existing content, and all the new content that comes out, and uh, it is on our website, videobooks.com, as well as an iPhone app uh, that we just launched uh, very recently, and uh, we're currently adding two new video book video books a month, and then we kind of plan to scale up. Uh, from there, um, you know, everything in, in prescriptive dot fiction. And to authors, uh, it's a different business model. And so um, we incentivize uh, them or, or basically in order to get the rights to create the video books, we offer them an advance uh, and a royalty fee um, on everything that we earn uh, from, from their books. Gotcha. And so obviously the, the bigger the author, the bigger the book, uh, the more that maybe upfront fee is going to be and then uh, the royalty structure is probably pretty standard then after that pretty much yeah i mean honestly as a startup we haven't really been even for some of the top top authors the advances haven't been that great and and part of the reason is we invest so much in production uh and the creation of the content and we do that fully in-house uh that you know authors haven't really requested because if you think of it as look this only throughout a whole three-month process this takes less than eight hours of my time, right? And it's a new channel, it's highly produced. It's something that I can use in my own social media for uh, speaking events um, on my own platform. And it doesn't take away from anything else that I'm doing. And so it's kind of like, we've been able to get some really amazing authors, uh, obviously by investing a lot in creating the actual video book, uh, but we haven't really paid uh, any crazy uh, advances, uh, which... Uh, has been helpful and beneficial for us to be able to scale, right? Uh, and, and get kind of more authors on the platform um, with, you know, it's a very capitally intensive business. It, it, <laughs> we want to create sure good content yeah. and yeah. build it from ground video, up. Yeah. yeah, I understand the video production costs and yeah, what you're creating there, an hour of content, especially when you're talking about a bunch of interviews with uh, with people that could be potentially all over the country, right? There is, uh, there's definitely some significant costs that are going into creation of each one of these these video books. So uh, now you did mention that this is another channel that is just going to continue to amplify that author's uh, book and and their thought leadership position potentially and 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 so on. So um, in the early days, now you've got some data uh, that would support that it's not really cannibalizing any of the other sales. But in the early days, was that a bit of a friction point in your discussions with the agent or with with some of the authors, just in terms of their fear that this might actually displace um, some of their or decrease their their book sales? Absolutely, yeah. It was the it was the main concern uh, that people had, and you know, I think it's whenever there's something new, you're afraid of whether it's going to eat what you're currently earning, right? You eat into what you're currently earning. And I think the good thing is that before we even launched our first video book, we had the analogy of movies, right? And documentaries, uh, like when a documentary comes out based on a book, it actually helps the underlying book sales uh, because it's catered to a different, broader audience. And so 
Um, and, and we also made it very clear, hey, we're not going to use the exact text of the book, right? This isn't like an audiobook. And in the publishing industry and, and in terms of the way the rights work, um, Audible initially tried to go and get all these audio rights, right? And then eventually publishers were like, well, this is literally just the verbatim text of the book read into a microphone, right? And so like you can't really claim these rights because it's it's actually our intellectual property, right? And so for us, it really is much more of an adaptation. We don't use any of the text of the book. It's all narrative, documentary style uh, content creation. And so over time, because we kind of, we really played more in the movie adaptation, documentary adaptation space than we did in like the audio adaptation space, right? Um, authors and, you know, agents have, have kind of come around. Um, now, obviously, it's a very different story, but early on, it was a lot of uh, selling and convincing and a lot of people said no. And they were like, hey, let's just wait until uh, this thing is out there and uh, we, we see some, you know, we, we see some data and, and, and excitement. Yeah. So now in terms of the business model, uh, in the early days when you only have your first, uh, you know, book or your first handful of books that you've published, that becomes very difficult to sell in terms of uh, like to the consumer because there there's only a few. Now that you have a much larger library and that library is growing at two uh, new books per month, that value proposition for that subscription fee is a lot better today and is every every month is getting better and better. How do you as a startup business grow, um, you know, kind of both sides of that, the supply, but then also the demand in a situation when you don't really have the supply and the and the authors really probably in the early days or have that wait and see approach. And then also the, uh, you know, concerns about the cannibalizing and so on. And so it's kind of like, well, I don't know. There isn't much of an audience there. I'm not going to get much out of this. Is it worth my time even for the eight hours it might take me to even sit down and have this interview with you? So uh, how do you do that as a business, balance that out and try to build both sides of the market at the exact same time? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on the supply side uh, and in terms of authors, we're actually uh, way further ahead in kind of partnerships uh, and how many partnerships we have versus titles that are live. Uh, there's just been so much interest uh, amongst authors. And actually, uh, the the first few video books were obviously partnerships with, with Jim Levine and, and his clients. Um, and since then, it has, you know, Primarily, I would say we've grown uh, through referrals and through word of mouth uh, amongst our authors. Because for us, like the most important thing is we want not just consumers to be excited about like the content, but we really want authors to be happy with their video book, right? And so our authors uh, have really been our biggest referral source in terms of getting new authors. Um, when they see their video book, they're like, wow, this is such a, I never thought I would see my book in this format. Um, this is awesome. Uh, you know, they'll be like, Hey, like, I actually have a couple of friends that saw this and they're interested. Can I introduce you? Right. And so we've really been able to, uh, grow kind of our, our own organic author network, uh, which has helped us a lot in terms of expanding on the supply side. And so we actually have more titles signed now than we can produce through halfway through 2024. Um, wow. so, but we're always looking for more and better, um, you know, uh, not better, but more partnerships uh, to, to kind of have on board. And really, Andy um, on our team spearheads that. Um, he's done a lot of this uh, through his time at Audible um, 
And, you know, he has really great relationships with a lot of different agents. And um, I think our production team is really the reason uh, and the consumer response is the reason that authors continue to want to kind of uh, partner with us. And then on the demand side, um, you know, we, we launched our all access subscription. We were selling these things individually until early July of this year. And, um, you know, we, we saw some really good signs, right, that got us excited to do the subscription offering um, over uh, we had a, over 35,000 people uh, with unique accounts on the platform. And on average, they had more than two and a half video books in their library. Um, and at that point, we had, uh, you know, probably 15 or 16 video books live. And so and, and the, the finish rates maintained really high. And so we were, you know, we were really seeing like people come in for one, uh, maybe from an author sharing or some of our ads. They come in and purchase additional ones. And that got us excited enough to say, okay, look, like people want more of this content. Um, and, you know, it, it makes sense to kind of see how a subscription offering would work. Right. And so uh, I think uh, with a subscription offering, there's kind of always the chicken and the egg problem, right. Where it's like, there's a certain amount of content that you have and you're growing that content, but at what point, uh, do you have the right mass to reach a certain type of audience, right? It's almost like a pyramid going the other way where it's like, you know, you add two more video books a month versus four or six or 10. How greatly does that uh, kind of maximize and augment the audience that you can tap into, right? And so we've seen really great results with our subscription so far, uh, growing high double digits uh, every month in terms of new subscribers. And uh, people will just absolutely love the content, right? Uh, five-star ratings across the board and in our app. And um, I think what we've learned actually is that uh, we have a three-day free trial and about 80% of people that start a free trial convert into paid subscribers. Uh, it's really just, high. It's very high compared to benchmarks. Uh, it's also early, right? And so like these are, these are more of our like super fans, right? In, in the subscription, I would say. So who knows how that'll change over time, but... What we do is every single time someone cancels, right? We ask them why. And it almost always is there's not enough content, yeah. right? And it's not that I didn't like the format. Uh, it's that I didn't find a book that I like on here or I wish there was more to warrant the fee, right? And so for us as a business, that's great because we're like, okay, great. Then we just need to, you know, get more titles and add more titles to the catalog, right? And I think um, th there's no kind of magic number really on the content side, uh, this modality is very different uh, in, uh, in terms of consumption than uh, a Netflix, right? Uh, because it is learning content, right? Uh, we, we don't really see people binging through dozens of video books on a weekend, right? Uh, yeah. What we're seeing is about, uh, you know, a video book completed every two weeks on average right now, right? And so our top kind of cohort of customers are doing about two to three video books on a monthly basis, uh, which is it's pretty good in terms of book consumption, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the median book consumption is way, way lower uh, in, in the US for physical books and audiobooks. And so, you know, I think we're still learning, honestly, what the right kind of content size is to be able to scale up. Uh, but I think our current pace uh, really allows us to grow at, at a significant clip efficiently, uh, which is important in this market, right? <laughs> and so... And we're always keeping an eye on it. And, you know, I could see the platform getting to probably 2x the number of books we have today next year, and then maybe 2x or more the year after that. Um, it just depends on the balance between exactly what you were saying, right? Supply and the demand and the commensurate investment in 
in new production. Yeah. And so I'm also curious because you talked a little bit about it. The, the beginning model was a individual per um, video book cost fee. And then you have now switched over to the unlimited subscription model. Um, and we see, you know, some of the you know, using Netflix as, as an example. I mean, that's a, exactly the where they uh, were at to begin with and where they uh, were at until just recently. Now they've added this uh, ad platform. Ads, yep. uh, yeah, uh, tier to their to their uh, model as well. Is that something that you have looked at? Was that something that you were looking at early on um, or? Is it something where it's like, no, we definitely don't want to go down that road and never considered that? You know, we've, we're, we're never close to new ideas and, and new ways to monetize. The nice thing about our format is we have global rights in all languages, all territories. Uh, and so if we wanted and, and we can monetize how we want, right, through a subscription, through a credit-based system, through an ad-supported model, on a third party if we wanted to. And so we've created the, the business so that we can monetize the content how we please. Uh, we have experimented with like a little bit of third party uh, licensing where we'll take a select portion of our catalog and put it on other platforms to help great, gain brand awareness, right? Uh, kind of like how Masterclass has a couple of masterclasses on Delta, right? Uh, if you fly, just people can kind of become more aware of it. I think we're definitely open to that. Um, I think also the answer is not no to ads. I think it depends on when and where uh, and to what audience. And so, you know, Hulu has kind of been an ad premium, premium ad model for a really long time. Um, there's also free ad supported versions um, of, you know, many media companies and streaming companies. And I always kind of try to come back to the mission of the company, which is the more people that have access to this, uh, the better it could help them improve their lives in some capacity, right? And so I could see a world in which in a country or a city that there is less access to capital, less access to technology, we have a free ad-supported version uh, and we only monetize that way, right? And we have different localized pricing for, for different regions than maybe even like a student plan that could have advertising that's much cheaper than the you know, right now it's 120 a year, but the price will, will go up, right, as our, as our catalog increases. And so yeah. I think we are definitely open to it. Um, and there's also kind of like, you know, on, on TED Talks, you'll see it's sponsored by usually Rolex or Deloitte, right? Um, and so, you know, I think that that is also a model that is something that we, we, we would consider. Um, but, you know, I think right now uh, the, the enemy of all companies and startups lack of focus Right. And there's so many things that we can constantly be doing. And so for us right now, what we're really focused on is creating great content, uh, making our authors really happy and growing our subscription product. Uh, but we have lots of ideas for other uh, ways to, to monetize and, and even internationalize. Yeah. Yeah. And you're exactly right. I mean, the biggest challenge that we all have is that focus piece and really making sure that the ultimate goals that we have set out are really driving our day-to-day -day activities. And so um, in, and I imagine, like you were saying, your biggest reason for people leaving the platform is because there just maybe isn't enough content for them. And so it's all about right now, you you guys must be pushing hard into the production part of it, trying to scale that up as much as you can. In, in that vein, what is the, uh, you, you know, the, 
the way that you evaluate what books that you want to convert? How do you pick what is the next, uh, you know, 100 books that you're going to be focused on over the next uh, few months here? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And uh, it's a it's a mix of art and science uh, and, and data science in particular. And so, you know, initially when we started the company, um, we were saying, OK, we want an evergreen book. Right. This isn't a book that just sold well in one year and then kind of disappeared in year two, like most books do. Right. Uh, we want a book that has consistent sales, consistent interest and demand. And it's kind of like one of those canonical books that is the top, you know, 50 book in a certain category. Right. We want the best in small business. We want the best in entrepreneurship. We want the best of, uh, you know, the top categories uh, amongst nonfiction. Right. I think that is very much still part of our of our strategy. And uh it's kind of what we're thinking about when the, at a baseline, what you'll see throughout the next year is these are some of the best books in health and wellness or psychology or economics or finance or investing. Right. Um, and th- that's a, that, that's a very important core. But what we also do is we experiment with new categories, right. That are outside of the traditional kind of business self-development. You know, we have a, our, our first potty training, uh, potty training book we launched uh, last year or, or earlier this year. Uh, we launched a parenting book called Limitless Mind. We're doing a health and wellness book about, uh, you know, the benefits of plant-based eating uh, that's coming out in January called How Not to Die, right? Uh, and then we're doing a, a lot of books that are kind of, uh, they're relevant to somebody that has a desire to improve themselves, but they're not exactly what you would define as like a traditional business book, right? And so we're experimenting with new categories. And I think there's a moment in time where our audience grows uh, large enough where we can become case makers rather than curators, right? Because right now I think we're curators. We're saying we can pick, we know who all the best selling authors are. We know that their content is evergreen. We know that there's continuing demand that'll probably be a good book for us, right? In, in addition to that, we have our production team evaluate to say, Hey, this book, you know, is or is going to be easy to produce in terms of, you know, like traditional relative to our other content pieces. Or really difficult, right? Like everyone in the book is no longer alive or, you know, we can't get access to any archive, right? There's like challenges that come with, with each title. And so yeah. we evaluate it from a production perspective too before we put it into the production queue, right? Uh, but um, what we're also trying to do is like we're trying to create a platform, not just for best-selling authors to reach a broader base because um, that selfishly helps us too, right? Like we can, their audiences when they share on social media, uh, then become lit fans, right? Um, but we're also trying to be tastemakers, uh, up and coming authors that may not have as large of an audience, but, uh, you know, our, our team has evaluated and said, this book is really good and our, our customers will love it. Um, we create those books as well and, and launch them on our platform, right? And so it, it's a little bit of a mix of both. We want the baseline, the top 100s, right? Uh, because, you know, those are going to have demand for a really long time. Like, Influenced by Robert Cialdini, How to Talk to Anyone, right? Those classic books. Um, but then, you know, some of those books like Connect, right? That did uh, pretty well, but not insanely well in, in, in the book market um, are doing incredibly well on our platform because they talk about a really important topic um, that's hard to discuss, right? Which is building relationships and how to have hard conversations. And so... Um, we're surprised sometimes by what works really well in video uh, that may not necessarily work so well in, uh, in, in book format um, or as well. So the short answer to that is we're learning. Um, And uh, I think the 
the, the medium answer is like baseline of the top best-selling books. And we're constantly thinking about new categories and new authors that may be mid-list or up and coming uh, to have on our platform as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting and very nuanced. Right. And so, like you said, it's, it's all a matter of looking at that data and trying to learn as you're going along. What, what is uh, the biggest challenges that you think you're going to face that you're going to have to overcome and, and how are you going to overcome them um, that you're going to face over the next say 12 months of your business's growth? Yeah, I would say, it kind of centers around the, a theme that we mentioned before, which is lack of focus um, and or, or ability to focus on something and really execute. I just think there's so many different ways that we can monetize, so many different authors we can work with, so many different ways production can go, right? Um, and so many markets we could theoretically expand into. I think really having a clear focus on what our most important um, metrics are um, and really kind of tying that to the mission, I think it's, it's going to be really important. I would say really the challenging part that we, it took a long time to scale to a point where we could do two video books a month, um, really efficiently with basically we haven't had a delay and we've been on budget for, you know, the last six months. Right. Um, but it took time to build that, right. Cause it's, you're creating two hours of fresh new content a month, but the production process is three to four months out, right? And so every day we have eight books that we're looking at uh, for you know the next four months, right? And so for us, it's really thinking about how do we double that um, on a monthly basis? How do we triple that and do it efficiently? Uh, I, I think we very much have an ethos at the company of we hire uh, to have people really execute uh, and d deliver a lot. Right. Uh, we, we're not the kind of company like we still only have nine full time employees. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of our production team is kind of spread throughout the world. Uh, but we are, are very much, you know, we don't want to have hundreds of people that are kind of just managing. Right. We're like we try to be really efficient per employee. Um, and so that that ethos kind of carries in all parts of our business. Right. Marketing, product growth, um, production uh, as well. And so thinking about how to scale that production piece, I think is probably in the, in the midterm of uh, the, the most difficult uh, part of the business, um, especially while maintaining quality, increasing speed um, and uh, you know, not having people uh, go crazy <laughs> on the team. Yeah. I was anticipating that the production side was going to be probably the, the, the answer there, but just knowing that side of the business from what it is that we do on the, uh, on the video production, because yeah, the scalability of that is going to be the key to your success and getting the, the volume. And that's where everything, everything really hinges around that. So, so that's no surprise to me. I I'm, I'm curious, you know, from the early days, um, you know, a couple of years ago when you first started to produce, the the books to where you're at now what's easier today for your business um, than what it was in those early days yeah i mean I, I would definitely say production there's there's an actual process now right um before video books didn't exist right and so we kind of had to create the first one and then we figured out what parts work and don't work with consumers and then we've kind of built processes around each part of it right there's a very built out process now for pre-production, analyzing a book, thinking about how to create the actual interview with the author to be really compelling. And then animation and all the different parts now have like very detailed processes and they've been done dozens of times. And it's just 
that repetition just means every new batch we we become faster, more efficient, less mistakes, right? And we've actually one of our big keys to success on the production side has been there's been zero attrition uh, on our on our production team, which is very different than the traditional production world, right? Uh, you're working on a gig and then you're going to another gig, right? Um, there's there's not much loyalty to an individual uh, company, and so we've had no one leave. Um, and we've just kind of been adding more people into that same group, but it helps a lot because it's a very specific style, um, that changes with every book, but it's a very unique way to create content. And the more we've had people do it multiple times, uh, that experience and expertise really helps us go faster. Um, and it's pivotal, especially as we kind of look at doubling and tripling our monthly releases, uh, because those people now become leaders and coaches, right? To the new people that are going to be animating and uh, writing scripts and, and all of those things. So yeah. I think process is is absolutely pivotal. Um, after we figured out content that was really engaging and it worked. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's been a huge key. And then I think uh, another thing is just, we've always tested a lot. Uh, it's kind of been a core part of the company and we'll test pricing, uh, we have no assumptions, right? Uh, we, we like to test things that might be crazy. Test a new piece of content is totally different than something that we have normally produced, right? Like no one would have thought we would do a potty training book, uh, but, but we did it. And so I think we constantly have this, we always have this viewpoint that we know some things, but we don't know way more, right? And I think that's, that's really important, uh, and, 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 and crucial kind of for the company. And, and it just, everyone has this ability to adapt as a result. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no now I would imagine that when you were first looking at some of the potential authors and books that you wanted to build uh, a video around, you must have looked at your own bookshelf, right? And went, okay, these are some of my favorites. I, I think I'd really like to see this come to life. Uh, in, what are, I guess, the ones, knowing our audience are all entrepreneurs, that you would recommend, which are the, your favorites in the library, if you could pick a few of them yourself right now for us? Ooh. So, I mean, I really, I really do enjoy almost all of our video books. I will say my personal favorite as an entrepreneur, uh, well, there's a couple. So I'll, start, I'll, I'll say my like top three. Okay. Uh, Loon Shots by Safi Bacall, uh, I thought was really, really fun. Uh, we interviewed Ed Catmull, founder of Pixar. Uh, we interviewed the founder of Moderna, uh, Bob Langer. We interviewed, uh, the creator of the iPod, um, John Rubenstein. Uh, it was just such interesting stories that you hear in that one of yeah. crazy innovations that have changed the world. Right. And, and how to create that kind of culture in your company or organization. So yeah. that was a really good one. Um, I would say radical candor. Uh, that honestly, that book has been something I go back to every year, uh, because it's not just a great way to manage and lead. It's a, it's a great way to build relationships. Um, and so we just launched that one. Uh, it's been one of our top video books since launch, uh, every single week. And, uh, it, it's a really good one. Kim Scott is just wonderful. And then I would say, uh, trillion dollar coach. Uh, is another one by Eric Schmidt. Uh, I mean, other than the fact that he's built, uh, you know, one of the most successful uh, companies in history, uh, it's just very 
intimate. Uh, we're telling the story in memoriam of Bill Campbell, who was just a, a legendary coach um, and, and a really nice person. And uh, you hear stories from some incredible people. Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Alphabet, is, is in that video book, right? And you just hear so many things about building a team and putting creating the right culture. Um, then I would say one last one, uh, Exactly What to Say by Phil Jones. Uh, is is great because it teaches you the right way to think about communication, being really succinct, knowing the right things to say, um, and being really deliberate about uh, what you're saying and how you say it. Um, I mean, I could go on. There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Which is absolutely fantastic. I I love this list. And so this is definitely going to give all of our viewers the top four that they need to uh, go and, and check out immediately. Uh, for it, so I th- this is the the a, another kind of follow up question to that is all of these incredible interviews that you have the privilege of conducting as part of the production of these. Who you know, I I, I mean, obviously we're all fanboys to certain uh, individuals that we've uh, you know either been reading or following, uh, who we really admire out there. Out of everybody that you've interviewed for all these different blogs, who are the ones where, you know, you just couldn't believe it. You had to pinch yourself to, to, uh, you know, confirm that this was actually happening, that this was real. Oh man. I mean, Sundar Pichai was definitely one. Um, Ed Catmull was another one. Um, I absolutely love Pixar. Uh, Ben Horowitz. I was another one was an unapologetically ambitious, uh, man. I mean, it really, I, I would say those are, those are probably the, the top three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We get to be the CEO of TaskRabbit. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there, there's so many different ones. It's hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, it, you know, really it, part of it is the author's network. And then the other part of it is like our team is a documentary team to some extent. Right. And so they're used to kind of chasing people to, to do, uh, to do interviews. And sometimes you just get surprised. Like, I can't believe this person said yes. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really you always cool. have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Okay, so the last question I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to let you go because I know you're a busy guy. You have some some videos to create here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, when it comes to, you know, the journey that you have been on, if you could send a letter back in time to, you you know, the, the younger Ronick who was st- just starting the business, so a little over two years ago, what would you put in that letter? It's a really good question. I think that something that Sundar Pichai talks about a lot is probably what I would have uh, kind of sent in this letter, which is, you know, balance is one of the most important things in life. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't really believe in work-life balance. I think there's a lot of different things uh, that you have to balance, right? Uh, and I think it's very easy when you're an entrepreneur to 24-7, all you think and you do and you breathe uh, is your business, right? And that's great, um, but it can very much lead to burnout. And what I realized is much, much so over time, only recently, it really is everything contributes to your success as an entrepreneur. Um, your ability to be able to take an hour out of your day to work out, uh, spend time with your loved ones, uh, communicate with your family and, and take time out for your friends. That all contributes to your success and your ability to be even headed, um, and intelligent, uh, always as an entrepreneur. And so I think it's just, it's not really talked about uh, as much because, you know, as founder, you're kind of 
you're always working, right? Like it's funny. Someone, someone told me the other day that, uh, they started a new company and their CEO who had just started a month before went on vacation all of December and is not responding to any emails. Right. And I was like, <laughs> that is insane because who, like, I can't imagine doing that ever. And it's not that, um, I'm disrespectful to my partner, or anyone when we're, when we're going on vacation, I like to turn off as much as I can, but it's just like, there's yeah. something different when you have something that you've built up your own, right. Yeah. Um, that it's impossible to turn off, but I think it's, because of that, it's very important to say it's okay to have partitions in your life for different things that lead to your health, uh, that lead to your emotional wealth, uh, which is, you know, your, your friends and your family and your partner. Um, and, you know, early on, all I did was work. Um, I, I, I didn't see friends for, I can't even remember how long, um, for, you know, the first, the first time I was fundraising, like I didn't, I didn't talk to anyone. All I was, all I was doing was working 24 seven, right? And I was just, like, you know, I, so many more white hairs after that <laughs> initial period. And I just think it's uh, something that um, I wish I had known uh, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really, really difficult to find that, especially in the early days. Right. It's uh, and, and I don't know, like this is the thing is that even if you would have written yourself that letter and you read it back then, how do you implement it? How do you actually yeah. apply that is, is uh, it's difficult without having lived through it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I don't know what I would have done with it, but I, w I probably would have thought like, Oh, this is some other annoying person trying to give me advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ronick. I really appreciate you sharing your journey and sharing, you know, just uh, everything about the business that you've created here. I think it's just such a unique and, and powerful way for people to consume just some really interesting topics. And, uh, you know, these are books that are going to have potentially profound impacts on their businesses as entrepreneurs. And so I know our audience is really appreciative of what you've shared with us today and what you've built in terms of lit video books. So thank you so much for that. If, uh, if I could ask, is there, uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way of connecting with you or finding out more about lit video books? Yeah, shoot me an email. Uh, I respond to pretty much everything that's not spam. Uh, so uh, Ronak at litvideobooks.com. Yeah, so Ronak, this is just such an incredible platform that you're developing, this whole new channel. I know our audience are going to be really excited to check this out. And I think you have a little extra special giveaway here. So you want to share that with our audience? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, anyone that wants to try out uh, lit video books, uh, will offer, uh, an extra 50% off the first year. Uh, you just have to use code Amplify when you go to litvideobooks.com. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you guys, uh, are, are able to check out some, some content. Oh, that is so fantastic. So, I mean, you're talking about a subscription that is all obviously already extremely affordable when you talk about the number of books that are available and how the audience or sorry, the library is just growing and growing to get 50% off that for a whole year. That's an incredible value. So I definitely encourage our audience to take advantage of that. We also have another announcement, and that is with regard to Profit First, a book that is uh, authored by Mike Michalowicz. He has this best-selling book that's been out for a little bit. You guys have created a, um, a video book about it as well. That's going to be given away at an event that's coming up that's called uh, BX, which is actually uh, a networking event 
um, here in the city of Edmonton. So it's a whole new business networking group that has expanded into Canada and they're doing a live event in one of the theaters here. And so you guys have graciously given away uh, a free book as well um, to uh, Profit First Video Book. So that's uh, really exciting as well. And if you want to check out the code to get to the registration page to get to that, you want to check out the link in the bio of the uh, episode as well as the show notes and on AmplifyYourBusiness.ca. So until next time, everybody. Uh, enjoy your day, enjoy the books, learn something and have a prosperous day. And again, thank you so much, Ronick. I really appreciate you coming on the show today.